Hello, it's Brody. I love bringing mummification to you each week, and if you'd like to support me to keep doing that, you can make a once-off donation through the Acast supporter feature. There's no regular subscription, and your donation will help pay our music license, buy audio gear, and put fuel in my car so I can keep interviewing the amazing women who share their stories with us. There's a link in the show description and episode show notes. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to Mummification. I'm your host, Brody Matner. This podcast is a space for women and parents to talk about how they're feeling. And sometimes they feel like swearing. So this episode may not be suitable for young ears. Because I think I saw, I like trawled your Instagram. Mm. Um, and I saw that you'd gone back to work after you'd had Mabel. Yeah, yeah. I went back to work when B was three months, three months old. So B's three now, almost four. Mm. I started the business a year before she was born. So that was 2016. Oh, let's start an advertising agency. This is genius. Yeah. And then three months later I was pregnant, um, which was very exciting because I was in that um, that world where you don't really understand, you just think you're getting a baby. You don't really know <laughs> what comes with that. So I had her a year after I'd started the business and I was, you know, at work till I had her basically mm. and then... God, I was writing bits and pieces a couple of weeks after I had her, pitching two months after I had her, and I was doing three days in the office when she was three months. Luckily I had a lot of help. Yeah. And that was hard and that that juggle was not balanced. Mm. And then I got pregnant again and I was nervous about that extra ball coming into the juggle. Yeah. And then when I was six months pregnant, I got sick and that was just one too many balls. So I stopped working pretty much straight away. I did, like I helped out at work a bit here and there, but I wasn't in the office because I was having chemo every week. Mm. Had a toddler, pregnant. So that was a lot. And then I had Mabel when she was eight months. I induced her so I could have a not very baby-friendly chemo. Yep. And then I was working while she was, gosh, when she was about six months I started doing work again and it was mid-COVID so it was from home and it was a day a week but it was still it felt like full-time. It would have felt like full-time. I'll introduce you. Oh yes we just started talking. <laughs> Here's everything you need to know about me. Well, uh, today I'm speaking with Ellie Bullen. Hello. Hello. Uh, You're one of Australia's top advertising creatives. You look about Thank you. I know it's always weird when people like tell you what you are, but you're you're excellent at your job. Um, I think you're an absolute superwoman and you're a mummy to Beatrix and Mabel. This is correct. Yes, good. Um, So I I ask everyone the first, same first question. Okay. If you were stuck on a desert island. And you could take one meal, one drink and one personal item. What do you take? All right. I'm going to go with um, butter chicken and garlic naan. Ooh. Mm, yeah, original, just, you know, not authentic but original. Yeah. You know, your <laughs> suburbs butter chicken because I reckon I can eat that any time of the day, anywhere. Yeah. 
I ate it a lot while I was pregnant. It almost, yeah, tastes like pregnancy now, but oh, that's okay. It's fine. I'll have that. Drinks tough. Mm. You kind of want alcohol. A lot of it's <laughs> might 90, need alcohol. 100% of people stuck on, desert, <laughs> stuck on a desert island. I reckon. Um, I figure you get water. Yeah, yeah, okay, good. Because it rains. Yes, and I figure we're getting off. I'm not. I'm not really being logistic here about survivor style. <laughs> like I don't need to be sensible. No, no, no. Okay, good. In which case, um, I'm leaning towards birthday punch. <laughs> you know, like twenty first birthday, bit of golden pash. Yeah, yeah. Cheap champers, <sighs> ginger beer. Yeah, so refreshing. Tropical. Yes, that's good. Yeah, tastes like youth. <laughs> I don't know what that tastes like anymore. Yeah. And your first item. Um uh, um, an audiobook player of some some sort. If I'm if I'm gonna be trapped there, I want Nora Roberts with me. I don't know, I haven't listened to any (laughs) Nora Roberts. It's a slippery slope. (laughs) Stick with podcasts (laughs) if you'd like to continue to educate and enlighten yourself. But if you'd like to escape that to a desert island with yes. a friend. Take Nora. <laughs> Very light. <laughs> she sounds perfect. Yeah. Um, so we started just briefly talking about it before, but when mm. you became pregnant with Mabel, yes, um, you were running your own advertising company. Yes. And you had a toddler. Yes. Uh, and so you were already insanely busy. And then six months into your pregnancy. That's right. You were diagnosed with breast cancer. Are you comfortable talking to me about it? Yes, definitely. It's been a, f- oh gosh, it's almost two years since I got diagnosed. Okay. feels like a bit of a blur now, but I'm happy to talk about it. Um, gosh, where to begin? How did you discover it? Um, interestingly, I had some pain in my boob and I thought it was prenatal mastitis. So I'd had mastitis with B before. Mm. If you've had that, you know you don't want it. It's not it's a good just, time. No uh, one had mentioned that to me, pre. Oh. Pre-pregnancy, and then this I got it. boot business. Just one of the many surprise joys that you discover. Let's start us. So tiny that. human. Yeah. Mm. So I thought that's what it was. I was like, oh, my boob hurts. I wasn't breastfeeding at the time, so I didn't know why. And I casually mentioned it at a midwife appointment, and I'd sort of been in there. They did their checks. I had a great midwife, Naomi, bless her. And I got up to leave, and I turned around and I went, oh, by the way. Weird pain in left boob, what do you reckon? And she said, all right, whip it off, let's have a look. She said, I feel sort of dense. Um, I'll go see the obstetrician next week. So I did that and she said the same thing, feels kind of hard. Has it always felt hard? I was like, oh, I probably should have checked my boobs more. I don't know, they change. I just feel like my boobs. Especially when you've been pregnant and breastfeeding. Yeah, and- yeah they're just all over the shop. Yeah. So that's just what they feel like today. Yeah. Um, and so she said, let's get a scan. And the hospital said, all right we can get you in in four months. And I went home, I was like, oh, what do you reckon, Mum? She was like, I wouldn't have thought so. Off you go, down the road, they can get you in next week, which is really lucky because I would have a very different story to tell if I had waited that long because it turns out my cancer was very aggressive. Uh, So the next week I had an ultrasound on my breast Um, and I shit you not, an hour afterwards I got a phone call from an oncologist at the ONJ. So that's how fast things move. Um, they had contacted my obstetrician at uh, the Mercy, called me, and I was in there two days later where they said, we think you've probably got cancer, but we won't know until we do a biopsy, um, which we can get you in for tomorrow, takes a week. And that week was the worst, mm. probably the worst of the whole cancer roller coaster, waiting to find out. And um, And then they sat me down and told me a week later and said, you've got stage three, grade three, triple negative breast cancer. And I didn't really hear anything else after that. I just mm. I just thought I was dead, which is pretty confronting when you're six months pregnant and mm. have a toddler. Um, and luckily I had my husband and my auntie who is um, conveniently uh, has a PhD in chemo sitting in the room. Handy. So she took notes and um, I learned a lot very quickly Um about what that meant. It meant that it was already in my lymph nodes. They couldn't tell me whether it had spread further um, because they couldn't scan me because I was pregnant. I asked them if I was going to be okay and all they could tell me was, we think your baby will be okay, <laughs> which was reassuring. But a very, you know, a part of me was like, well, 
what about numero uno? Yeah. <laughs> what about me? Yeah, it's not really answering my question, yeah. is it? Yeah, so they, they really, they didn't know. Mm. And once, you know, cancer, breast cancer spreads beyond your immediate lymph nodes, it's considered grade four and potentially treatable but not curable. But we also knew that this kind of cancer, you know, you don't have a lot of time either. So, you know, it could have been a very short story, I guess. Mm. Um, I was in the chemo chair two days later. Um, they said, look, this chemo is proven to be safe for, you know, um, the fetus. The fetus, they call it. feels so, you know, so like that made it really hard hearing the fetus. <laughs> it's actually my child. <laughs> it's my baby. You're my about to pump full of drugs, but I had no choice. Mm. Um, they just said, okay, yep, in you get. And I had eight sessions of what they call the red devil. That's um, what they call it? Yeah, the red devil. You see it pumping into your veins, this red liquid. Um, and you know it must be pretty fucked because then you, you go and pee and it's red. So you're like, oh, this is, this is no Barocca. No, no. Um, and anyway, this is a very long version I'm giving you. Um, I was in treatment till Mabel was born. They induced her a month early because mm. I needed to swap to a different kind of chemo that hasn't had the research to back whether it was safe. So they induced me at eight months and Mabel was born very healthy, um, no need for a caesarean, which I thought would have been the case. They induced me and out she came. Um, obviously um, I wasn't breastfeeding. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That was awkward when midwives who didn't know would come into the hospital room and ask me, why are you know, are you gonna even try breastfeeding? I would be like, No, because one's getting chopped off in twelve weeks, so let's not even um could you just read my my notes, <laughs> please, before you come in here? Thanks for rubbing that in. Um God, they love a bit of breastfeeding, don't they? Oh, the midwives. Fuck. If you if you're not breastfeeding, <laughs> yeah, you just you? get out. Yeah. You have no place here. Did your milk come in? They gave me drugs to stop it, okay. um, which was supposed to be painful but wasn't. So that was a plus. Yeah. Um, Mabel was fine, um, but then it was just, it was all on. Mm. Like Donkey Kong, I had um, an operation five days after she was born to insert a port in my chest so they could plug the chemo straight in. And then a day after that, another chemo session. And that was when shit really hit home, when I was sitting there with a newborn on my chest in a chemo chair. Mm. You just don't think that that's how you're going to be spending a week with your your newborn. Also just, I mean, without the cancer and the chemo and all of that, just having a week old. Yeah. I don't know if it was the same for you, but my hormones were horrendous. Oh. That kind of week mark. Oh. Week to two weeks. Yeah. Very prone to a shower cry. Oh, oh. <laughs> just a cry full stop. <laughs> Every one of my friends who's had a baby, I've said to them, just be ready. About one to two weeks, you probably won't be in a great place, but it's pretty normal. Yeah. (laughs) It's pretty normal. I didn't even know I was crying. I was just crying. Yeah. So emotional. Yeah. There was a lot of tears in the chemo chair and Mm. in surgery. Oh, it was hectic. Um, And then there was, you know, this toddler running around that I wanted to be able to spend time with and just there was not enough of me to go around. No. No. and, you know, I was nervous about having two kids, more nervous about having two kids than I was about one because I think, one, I was in this blissful state. Where I'm, I'm just going to have a baby. Yeah, I was gonna, I'm, I can't wait to look like I'm in a country road catalogue with my little <laughs> baby accessory. <laughs> and then you realise, then you oh, learn. Not like, oh, like this, that. Is, this is really fucking hard. Yeah. And you decide to have two <laughs> and that's harder. It, yeah, it is. Yeah, it's, it's harder. Um. I will say, though, 18 months, the youngest one, my youngest just hit 18 months, it just got easier. Oh. So, so yeah. we're playing the long game here. I feel like it's starting to pay off. So I've got six months to go Yeah, my youngest is yeah, one. Yeah, yeah you've got six months and then life will sort of, you'll be like, oh, my God, I just had a cup of tea in peace. What is this? Oh, great. But I found that even with my first, um, it took me to the 18-month mark to start yeah. feeling okay again, I think. Yeah. Because, like, I'd gone back to work and yeah. things had sort of settled into, like, a, you know, normal life yeah. routine. Yep. But I don't know. Yeah. It's um, one day you just wake up and they're a bit easier and you are more than just a nappy and milk slave mm. and you get some time to yourself and 
God, you remember that you're, you know, you're your own person, <laughs> not just a nappy bag. Sherpa. It's really nice. It's really nice. And yeah, you do get there, which is really promising. Yeah. It's a bit of, it's a long road, but it's, yeah. it's got an end. Yes. Anyway, so long story short, lots of chemo, a couple of surgeries, a lot of radiation, um, a year and a half of treatment it took me to um, shake the beast. But right now I have no evidence of disease, touch wood. So I'm feeling healthy and mm. like I had, it's like some, about three months ago, it was like someone switched the lights back on for me and I had energy. Mm. And I actually don't know how I <laughs> got through that blur of the first year because mm. in hindsight, it felt like I had a hangover every day. And my oncologist actually said to me, he's like, I'm, wait till you feel the effect of not having these drugs because it's like it's like having the hangover without the party. <laughs> That's what you've been doing. I was like, oh, my God, he's so right. <laughs> oh, my gosh, I can get up. <laughs> I can face this leaning tower of laundry. Not that excited about it, but, like, I could, I could get up and do it. Yeah. And that was a milestone. So I imagine with, with especially after surgery, but chemo makes you feel shithouse mm. anyway. Yeah. How was it on the days that you couldn't parent how you wanted to? Oh, it's, I think um, when I wasn't having those days, I was very forgiving of myself and mm. I could say, you're going through a lot. You know, you can have your crap. There's going to be a lot of Peppa Pig. <laughs> this is going to happen. And I was, you know, I could tell myself that. But on the days where I felt like I was being a shit parent, mm. I would take all that blame on myself. Mm. And I couldn't be rational about um, letting myself off the hook, I would almost push myself harder. Mm. You know, like, you know what? Fuck, I'm going to make you a bone broth. <laughs> I can barely stand. No, no canned soup for you. <laughs> so that was not brilliant in hindsight. Yeah. Um, but you just, the brain works in strange ways. And I've, I'm sure it's the same for you. It's like someone flicks a switch when you have a child and all, all that matters is them. Mm. Like all of a sudden you are second in everything. Mm. And so, you know, feeding them, making sure that they're not, you know, just, you know, 24-7 in front of the flat screen babysitter, like that stuff mattered to me. Yeah. But, gosh, you know. Had to give yourself a break. We went some other stuff going yeah, on. Yeah, calm down. But. Um, but also in the midst of all of that, you said earlier, you returned to work. Yeah, only a day a week, but yeah. that day felt, you know, I would um, try and prepare myself for it. And it was almost like I had a day of work before the work day began because I would be thinking about what I had to achieve at work because, you, you know, I had baby brain and chemo brain and I felt like I was not prepared enough to do my job. So I was spending more time trying to get myself into that headspace mm. um, or, you know, spend extra time trying to make the things I was doing better because I felt like they weren't good enough, you know, sucker for punishment. Um, and then I would be, you know, trying to get on top of everything. So whoever was helping me the next day, you know, be it my husband, um, my mum, my auntie, I had a lot of help because I had to pull the kids out of childcare because, um Lurgies and chemo, not a great thing. And mm. um, <laughs> they're sick every week, second week. So it just wasn't viable for us. So I had people coming to help. And then that meant I had people coming into the house. So I was trying to also, you know, when I could convince them that um, <laughs> we weren't complete hobos <laughs> living in our own field. <laughs> in, in hindsight, again, gosh, what a wonderful thing. No one would have judged. No. <laughs> but, no. you know, it's, it's about, you know, I liked to have some element of control over the situation and that was how I did it. Um, and so I just would take on too much and then I'd spend a day at work and then it would take me two days to recover from that. Mm. Um, and I felt guilty about the time I wasn't doing because it was my own business as well. Mm. I felt like I should be working as hard as everyone else and so I'd offer to do extra and then stay up late and do bits and pieces or do bits and pieces on the weekend. And and then I'd feel like I'd disappoint people if I, you know, got too tired to deliver. So it was just this vicious cycle of mum guilt mm. meets work guilt meets illness, which um, no one should try that trifecta. It's not great. <laughs> Thanks yeah. for the warning. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even take out the sickness, it's... 
you know, it's hard enough. And I know that from having one child mm-hmm. and um, a business that mum guilt and work guilt are a lethal combination. Yeah, it's full on. And um, oh, I'm going to make um, a stereotype here. I'm not sure if it's appropriate, but I feel like <laughs> mums feel it more. Yeah, yeah. I do too. Um, and that is I don't want to devalue my husband who's excellent but their mental load, all that stuff, I, I just, it's different. That dynamic is different in my relationship at least. And it makes the juggle a struggle. There you go, some light rhyming for you. <laughs> I'm in advertising, can you tell? <laughs> um, how has is, how is everything that's happened to you in the last two years has that played into your sense of self and sense of identity? It's had to do a 180 and a forced 180. Mm. I define myself so much by my career and even pre-children. Um, I think if people, you know, um, if my if you ask my friends or people that knew me, they would they would say, okay, you know, works hard, drinks a lot of gin. Both of those things mm. had to go. <laughs> You know, some I'm sadder about losing than others. Um, so it's like um, when I had my first child, my ed- my identity was half shake, and I still had work, but obviously <laughs> drinking really had to mm, calm down. Seat. Yeah, and um, and so I sort of had to, you know, grapple with this new reality of life not being about my partner and I living that you know early thirties dream and reshuffling our priorities, and then. When I had to stop work as well and I became a mum uh, and a sick person, um, that was a whole new persona that I was 50% willing to embrace. <laughs> um, you know, the mum, you know, full-time mum I never saw myself as and now it's taken me a long time actually um, to get my head around the idea because I was so work-focused mm-hmm. And you're you're not working at the moment. I'm not working at the moment, and it's yeah. It actually, I um, I really struggled with the idea of of not having that part of my identity. That mm. that businesswoman that I found it really validating, and um, but God, nothing <laughs> reshuffles your priorities. Like maybe getting close to dying, and it just doesn't matter. Mm. anymore and for a while there I was like well what am I going to do next what's what's next for me I should have a project in the on you know I should have a project on I need to do something and it actually took some counseling for me to go you don't you just enjoy this time and I feel like a new person (laughs) I've actually I really had to coach myself to let go and go it's okay to just be a mum and Mm. to spend this time, like you're enjoying the time, so why are you making yourself feel guilty about it? Yeah. Enjoy these kids that are only little once. You, you better know better than anyone how f- fleeting and precious time is with them. Mm. Just love it and I do. So that's been a process but the end result, I'm, I'm so glad I'm in this position. I'm, I'm so glad I'm sitting here on a Wednesday yeah. Morning with a cup of tea talking to you about this and not tearing my hair out, stressed yeah. um, off my head, trying to do everything. Mm. So I don't try and do everything now. Um, as for the, you know, the sick part um, of that identity, like, oh, I tell you what, having hair again is really nice. Yeah. yeah, there was a moment there when I had <laughs> no hair, no eyelashes and this pregnant belly and I would go to my... um prenatal Pilates class with all these mums and that was really hard because I just felt them looking at me like not harshly just looking at me going fuck you poor bitch and I just wanted to swap with them and um got emotional um that was really hard um so it's been really nice to be able to grow some hair feel healthy again Mm. and just be a mum not feel like a, a a sick Mum, yeah, that was not a fun time, and you know, cancer is one of those things where you just you don't know what's around the corner. But 
I've, you know, again, with more counselling, come to sort of learn to live with that. Mm. And luckily for me, the further I get away from my diagnosis, the better my prognosis is. And so my prognosis, which was questionable for quite a long time, is looking really good now. So I just feel like I'm finally at a point where I can move on. Mm. Hooray. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Um, you've, you've sort of answered, I think, but how has it changed your perspective generally on how we spend our work-life, family balance. Oh, it's so broken. Yeah. The ba- there is no balance. That's the irony. Mm. I think it, like um, even the way the system works, you know, school hol- more school holidays than you're allowed annual leave, um, uh, you know, nine to five but school is, um, you know, the same time drop-off mm. and a 3 p.m. finish. Uh, who feels good about leaving their kids in before and after school care and, and, you know, who doesn't cry the first time they drop their child at childcare? It's mm. so much pressure. And I feel like if I, I'll take this moment and I'll say I am so sorry to all the women who went before me who I just had no idea and yeah. I was nowhere near understanding enough of how hard it was. Mm. I wish if I could go back in time, I just would... Um, have an entirely different attitude towards working mums, working mm. parents, because it is so hard and a recipe for stress and anxiety because I just think we have to take on so much <laughs> and then be better parents than ever before. I mean, God, the pressure compared to when my mum would stuff us full of sugar and, you know, just let us roam around the streets of the neighbourhood. Like, that shit doesn't fly anymore. No, like, you could leave. Oh, we were just left in the car while they go to the shops oh and come back out. Oh, my gosh. Um, but I feel like it was easier. My mum would probably disagree. But, yeah, the, the standards of parenting. I won't fact check with it. Yeah, are higher than ever. And... God, I'm so glad we fought for women's rights and we can vote and we can work and, I would, yes, it'll be, please hurry up and fucking pay us a bit more, but there's been no easing of the other things that we do, I feel like. And so all of a sudden I reckon if, you know, if you're anything like me, you hit this age in your life, you, you have children and then you just go, oh, my God, this is a lot. Yes, this is so more much. than one person can do. And yes, you can rely on childcare, although probably your wage will be gone by the time that you pay for that. Yeah. And you can ask for help, which, you know, you get good at doing. But I mean, the real struggle for me was the guilt, like feeling like I should be spending more time with my kids and always trying to do more for them and mm. there just not being enough of me to go around. Yeah. So. I just, I think balance is a myth, really. I don't know. I don't know how we fix it, but it's not working. (laughs) It's not working. I don't know how we fix it either. I think, I think if, um, worked on, not an expert, this is just my opinion, but I think that if workplaces were more flexible for men. Yes. Post baby. Yeah. That'd be a start because that would then free up mums to be more flexible as well. Yes. Um, Well, you know, a lot of companies still give dads two days paternity leave and I think that's just as unfair as, you know, um, 
not giving women enough paid leave. It's mm. just everyone's suffering. But yes, if everyone if everyone got a little bit more understanding, it would be better for everyone. Yeah. I think that one positive that's come out of a global pandemic that has <laughs> crippled the world and the economy <laughs> is that having parents work from home has proved, I think, to employers that you, it's not a myth. You're not actually <laughs> um, just watching back-to-back Ellen yeah. um, and you're, you're actually doing stuff. It's it's possible to work mm. from home, you know, under the right circumstances and environment. And it's also shown um, how important it is to be at home. Like fathers, I yes. think, are spending more time with their kids and not wanting to go into the office as much and and being exposed to, you know, the working parent, whether it's male or female, as seeing what go- <laughs> they're exposed to what happens here. <laughs> now they know. <laughs> And yeah, I think there's more empathy. I hope there's more empathy. Yeah, hopefully. If you go back to work or when you go back Mm. to work, what would you like that to look like? Oh, good question. I think for me, going back to work, I've got to, I mean, just personally have to love what I do to give up what I'm doing now Mm. or to make space for that. I've got to, you know, I'm not going to do it for something I don't want to get out of bed for so it's got to be good yeah <laughs> um and then, easy. god it would be in an ideal world three days max I'd like to be able to drop and pick up my kids from school would be really nice like if I could drop them off do a solid nine till three from home or the office don't doesn't matter, mm. and then have the flexibility to pick them up, that would be great. Like mm. I'd like to do, um, if my both my kids are in school five days, I'd like to do part-time even over that five days yep. um, so that I can pick them up and be there. It's a luxury, sadly, in, yeah, and in this day and age. Like, shouldn't be. No. But I just, oh, again, I have had the... The benefit, I'm not sure if that's the right word for describing cancer, but I have been made to really reassess my priorities and um, I just don't want to miss a thing. And especially I don't want to miss a thing for a job I don't like or um, for um for, for t- you know, I don't want to miss that time that I won't get back, especially when they're young. Yeah. Um, so I'm not going to. I'm being tough. Good. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think after everything that's happened for you, you deserve to be tough. Yeah. yeah. I've learned to be get what you a want. bit more selfish, um, which is a harsh word for it. But, but you know, I've learned to be. even because yeah. it's, it's it, really what you're saying is that you want I mean, yes, time for yourself, but mm. time to be there with your kids. Yeah. I mean, that's why I had them. <laughs> and I feel like I didn't have that time with my um, older child. I sacrificed a lot of that time mm. um, for my business and I regret that. And um, it makes me a bit sad that it took cancer to to make me live the way I want to live. Um, but there really have been some positives to come out of an absolute train wreck for two years. Yeah. Um, and that's one of them. Um, yeah. So if if there's something um, something empowering that you could say to mums, new mums, old mums, any mums, mm. what would it be? It does get easier. Yeah. I promise. <laughs> That means a lot coming from you, I think. Yeah, yeah. I think it's um, so easy to get trapped into this vortex where all you can think about is your problems right now and I was particularly guilty of it Mm. with my first child. It felt like I had the, you just, you're so focused on learning this whole new job that's for all of a sudden you're responsible for this tiny little thing. You're sleep deprived, your boobs hurt. You can't even walk probably, gosh, you know, there's all yeah. kinds of shit going on and the baby won't sleep and, you know, that week it feels like 
the baby's never going to sleep. Mm. And then the baby won't, you know, the next week the baby won't feed properly. And that feels like it's going to be a problem for the rest of your life. I, I could never sit back. And it wasn't until someone said to me, you know, that um, she will feed and it will be okay. Yeah. <laughs> there will be more problems, you know, but those problems will get easier, you know. And But you just remember to think about, you know, that long, long-term picture and one day they will be running around by themselves and able to you know, spend 20 minutes in the baby cage mm-hmm. trampoline um, and you'll get to have a cup of tea and you will be able to sleep again and it feels really nice to have sleep. Yeah. You'll get there. <laughs> so just be reassured. I was going to finish there but I have another question. Mm. Um, had you Have you heard of the word matrescence? I hadn't until you told me. And I'm a writer, so I was a little bit ashamed. <laughs> I had to Google it. <laughs> I had to Google it too. Okay, good. Um, <laughs> so do you think that you've, I don't really know how to, I don't really know exactly what I'm trying to ask. I suppose it sounds like because you went back to work and that took up a lot of your space mm. after B. Yeah. And then after Mabel, you're incredibly sick. Yes. Do you feel that maybe that process has been or do you feel like it's something you've gone through? Give me the definition again. My definition, <laughs> my non-dictionary definition is it's basically adolescence for mummies. So you have a baby and you go through a huge change. emotional, hormonal, lifestyle, everything change and then you you come out the other side effectively a different version of yourself. Oh, my God, 100%. I feel like I went through baby puberty twice because it was so different, the two experiences. And it, um, 100%, and I don't actually know, and I've got a lot of friends who went through uh, pregnancy at a similar time to me, and I feel like every single one of us has experienced it and come out different and with different priorities. Mm. And um, I don't think, I mean, personally, I'm quite happy with who I've become on the other side of this, but the process wasn't easy. Mm. It It was hard to let go of old me or, you know, to embrace that change has taken time. Mm. And it was startling because I didn't know it was a thing. No. <laughs> I didn't I didn't realise. I knew it was going to be hard, but I'd spent a lot of time around my nieces. I thought I was going to be a pro. You no, know, it's the same. lots of children. <laughs> I love children. I'm going to be really good at this. I'm going to have seven of them. Don't even worry. <laughs> Definitely not having seven of them. Two will do. <laughs> Holy moly. Um, <laughs> such a pre-child attitude. Yeah. Oh, um, how many do you want? Oh, you know, maybe four. I yeah, four for sure. Yeah, that's my gosh. Yeah, that's me. Anyway, next minute. Um, yeah, it just, it took me by surprise. And especially because everyone made it look so easy. Mm. It looks so easy. It's an um, injustice, isn't it? Oh, my God. Everyone, you know, Instagram, Lot to answer for. Yeah. Naughty, naughty. Um, TV shows. I mean, even my sister, not intentionally, handled it like a champ. Um, And she went, you know, she was a single parent of two young kids doing it solo. Um, Very relaxed person. And she was relaxed about the whole thing. Um, But I think I just got lulled into a false sense of security about what was going to happen by everything I was exposed to, which is a, God, if that's not a recipe for postnatal, I don't know what is. Like, you you know, what a shock to the system. Um, And it really took some grappling and years. Like it's been this, it's still a process, but I am in, uh, I'm happier now that I'm not, trying to be good at everything, yeah. um, really accepted um, mediocrity um, <laughs> in aspirations and also, you know, sometimes parenting um, yeah. and 
you know, just don't always aim to, sometimes they're not always going to get organic. You know, no, that's okay. It's fine. And just I'm keeping it real over here. <laughs> they're not going to notice yeah, most never. of the time, I don't think. Not at all. Um, so letting all that stuff go has really helped. Um, but, yeah, like I said, huge process mm. that, that really shocks um, and forces you to consider who you are and um, what kind of person you are, who you are when you're not being a mum. It's pretty big. Yeah. yeah. I, I feel like I had to learn to socialise again, mm. like learn to go out and not, um, you know, talk about leaky boobs, <laughs> you know, nonstop. <laughs> Actually, I just still did that. <laughs> still did that. Uh, yeah. Look, it was it was a rough ride, but they're worth it. They are. Yes, we'll keep them. You wouldn't. You wouldn't not have them. Yeah, absolutely. I wasn't sure. It's interesting when I was pregnant with number two. I said to my cousin who had two, um, "I've heard that number two is." like terrifying, like I'm, it's a one-way ticket to fuck town over here. Is that right? <laughs> and she was like, actually, she was the one person that said, I think it's easier, which I was latched on to. I yeah, needed to, right. I really needed to hear that because yeah. I'd made the just it was happening. Um, and she said that when you have your first kid, it's like you have to run an Olympic marathon and you've had no training and it's just, you're fucked. <laughs> <laughs> but the second kid, you still got to run a marathon but you're already, like, you're fit. You've okay. been in training. Yeah. So that helped me a lot. Yeah, that's a nice way of putting it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I think you've covered everything. Oh, good. All Thank right. Thank you so much for being so honest and sharing your incredibly difficult story. Oh, I'm happy to. Happy to. It's very generous of you. That's okay. I think the more people, I think it's great that you're doing this because the more people that um, I hear <laughs> tell me how hard it is for them. Well, let me tell you, everyone it's, I've spoken to really is really hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, when you get that person that says it's an absolute breeze, we'll all know that they're lying to themselves and to us. Yeah, I won't so, release that episode. Yeah, can you? It's been <laughs> trash. Um, no, my pleasure. Thanks. See you later. Fuck me, man. Like, mm. it's a time. Yeah. It's, I just, I, I, I mean, I, d- I absolutely do think you are a superwoman. Oh, well, I think that you just don't know till you do it. Mm. You know, you just, you'd do the same. And do you know, when I went through it, about a couple of months before I went through it, um, Beatrix got sick. Um, she was about 20 months and, stopped walking and I took her to the children's and um, she had septic arthritis in her hip, didn't even know what that was. Some childcare bug got in her bloodstream, went into the bone, had all this pus growing in there, had to do surgery. And um, before they were waiting to diagnose it, they didn't know what was wrong with her. I remember saying to myself, like, there is no worse feeling in the world than not knowing if your kid is going to be okay. And I was sitting in emergency going, I wish this something, you know, like don't let something happen to her. I want, like, let it happen to me. <laughs> <laughs> Famous last words. Anyway, two months later, I'm, she's fine. I'm diagnosed, which was almost ironic, but the um, it actually got me through a lot of the darker times because I just went, at least she's okay. Mm. Like the, it's hard for me and most of that is my, the hardest part was like looking at them going, imagining them having a life without a mum was really gutting for me but it was always a worse situation and that in its own kind of fucked up way yeah helped me go okay get you know get your head on Mm. (laughs) like at least they're okay but were you were you afraid a lot uh terrified yeah terrified I just didn't I actually could because of the way I was during my treatment They'd told me if I, so I did all the chemo and I was due to have surgery and they said, when we open you up, if the chemo has killed all of the cancer, you've got like a 90% prognosis, you know, survival rate. Um, They did all these scans and they were like, we think it's gone. So I was champagne, (laughs) 90%, fucking take it. Then they opened me up and there was still a seven centimetre tumour 
and lymph nodes infected that the scans didn't pick up. The scans were just completely inaccurate. And that was fucking devastating because it took my prognosis down to about 60%. But also how's having a percentage put on? Oh, you ju- yeah. And we, oh, weirdly those numbers helped. Like I needed to know. Mm. Um, and that prognosis, um, that really f- shook me because I trusted so much in those scans. Um, and so all of the sudden I was just terrified and I tried not to Google much during the process because Dr. Google's not your friend, but no. I can say that so my cancer is notorious for being really fast and really aggressive mm. and the younger you are when you get breast cancer, the more danger it is, like if you're 80 and you get it, chances are you probably live a long time. If you chances are, if you're younger, you're going to get an aggro one that will probably, like your prognosis is a lot worse. So, how old were you? Thirty five. Yeah. So I'd googled, and it was like your chances of prognosis. You know, your chances of a recurrence. In my case, if I get a recurrence, I'm fucked. Uh, heightened if you are young, if you have triple negative breast cancer, tick. If it's gone to your lymph nodes, tick. Um, if it doesn't respond completely to chemo, tick. Like I ticked every box for a recurrence. And um, I just um, tried to find an example of a case like mine, um, someone surviving with it. Mm. Um, as advanced as mine because when they found it, the tumour was about 14 centimetres, like it was my whole breast. It grew by about five centimetres in the week that it was diagnosed to the week that I had it started chemo. And chemo shrunk it but not all the way obviously. So I've never met or read a story about anyone with a tumour that size, Mm. especially a tumour that size surviving. Mm. (laughs) So that I just had this attitude and it was it was just sort of like this acceptance that I was probably fucked and it, it wasn't like I was living in this doom and gloom world I was just like all right make the most of it because this could be really bad mm. so I did and then the way it works is if I get to three years cancer free from diagnosis it's probably never coming back there's like a 0.3 percent chance it'll come back and I'm almost at two years I'm also part of a trial that takes my blood every three months and tracks my tumor DNA so I'll know about it straight away Mm. don't have to rely on the scans that don't work so with every three months that I have that and at the start that three monthly test so I had to wait two weeks for the results was just anxiety town but now just had my seventh or eighth whatever I feel like I'm going to live <laughs> and it's such a nice feeling and I'm not thinking, you know, it would not a, used to be like not a day would go by with, where I didn't think about being sick or what that meant or some sort of consequence of that and now mm. I just feel like I, I'll go days and I don't think about it. Like I think about the impact of it, like obviously it's had a big impact on work and life and there are things that come up Mm. but it's slowly thank fuck becoming a a smaller part Mm. of what I have to think about and deal with which is great good riddance but yeah I was scared for a very very long time and for them not for me like yeah I feel like I can invest time in my health now that the kids are a bit bigger better so Mm. bigger so that's been really good. Like mentally I feel like I'm doing everything I can that's in my court yep. to prevent this coming back. So hopefully it just doesn't. Fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah, please, please. But, yeah, scary amount. The amount of t- like the how prevalent it is, like one in eight women or something. It's wild. And one in eight, is there an age bracket for that? Stat? Much higher. Well, that's just women in general. It's mm-hmm. much com- more common after 60, I want to say. Okay. Um, it's pretty rare in younger women, mm. um, but it happens. happens a lot more during pregnancy than you'd think because, and I reckon this is what happened to me, your cells do tend to mutate, mm. but your body you would usually sort that out. But um, when you're pregnant, it's trying to let things grow so your immune system's weakened. 
Um, and so we just did nothing and all of a sudden. So I can't believe it grew so much in that week. I, That's if I'd waited for that scan, I would have been um, dead before I'd had the scan. <laughs> That's how touch and go it was. Like if I hadn't have mentioned, I credit that midwife who I told I had an algae boob to with saving my life. If I hadn't said something that day, mm. fuck knows what would have happened. And then there would have been no Mabel either. So she's my miracle baby. Fuck. It's just this whole world of what ifs. I feel so lucky yeah. for that reason. So lucky. Like I guess that whole thing of, the you know, feeling so scared by not seeing anyone else go through this mm. to that level and survive makes me even more grateful by the day. Yeah. It's so like, nice Like how the now. fuck have I done this? I don't know how the fuck you've done science, it. Science, science, <laughs> all, all science. Thank you, science. Thank you so much to today's guest, Ellie Bullen, for sharing her incredible story. There are links in the show notes for some information on breast cancer, but as neither Ellie or I are medical professionals, please speak to your doctor if you have any concerns about your own health. Mummification is produced and hosted by me, Brody Matner. Our beautiful music is composed by Ben Talbot Dunn. If you're enjoying the show, please rate, review and subscribe. You'll be notified when a new episode is released and it helps us reach new audiences, which in turn will hopefully help more women feel less alone. Thanks for listening. It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.